0: You are listening to the Mic Drop Sports Podcast, dropping the mic on the top stories in sports. Now give it up for your hosts, Mike Schneid and Zach Stein.
1: Welcome to the Mic Drop Sports Podcast. Thanks for tuning in, whether it's through Mic Drop Sports, iTunes, Spotify, or another platform. We appreciate you listening, Zach and I here, to talk more college basketball as we are now down to the final four not exactly the four that anybody expected. I know we expected two of the four, but an unusual final four to say the least, right?
0: It it's definitely a little bit different than people expected, especially with teams that were advancing through the sweet 16 and that were alive on the elite 8. You would have been you probably would have been able to to pick four teams you were eyeing in on and then you get two or you get one that everyone probably agreed that was going to get there and then one probably 50-50 team there, and then two kind of, you know, first-timers, and it's exciting.
1: It's super exciting. You know, and these four teams all deserve it. I mean, this was an impressive weekend of basketball, and I think all four of these teams were great teams that were all extremely impressive in their wins in the Sweet 16 and the Elite Eight. And, yeah, two new teams, three teams that have never won And Michigan State hasn't won since 2000. So, a lot of new blood. Definitely a fun combination of teams. So, Virginia is my team. I have been on the Virginia bandwagon since the very first podcast. Since the beginning of the season. So, I'm super pumped. But, good God, that was an unbelievable game with Purdue. (laughs)
0: right. so, for my bracket talk real quick. I my best scenario is Virginia winning. I can win a couple thousand dollars each way here with uh, Virginia Woo! winning. So yeah, so it's it's so it's big. So with and then obviously I hate Purdue. So this was extra sweet for me when they hit the buzzer beater to force OT. I jumped up and I bit my tongue so hard. I'll never forget that moment. My tongue still hurts, but a good way <laughs> because it reminds me of how awesome that game was.
1: Amazing. And, yeah, I actually won my bracket already. I've never won a bracket before, and I did it before uh, the Final Four even begins. So, shout out to my college football buddies on Twitter, Sean and Dave of the DNS Sports Talk, Dom of the Dom and Thunder Show, and Andre Cherry from the Cherry Picking Podcast. You guys owe me money. You know how to reach me. I'll cash in that and the college bowl picks. But, yeah, just an unbelievable game. Carson Edwards was Another level of phenomenal, um, and they got there in another great game by beating Tennessee. So that whole region was just a fun region of basketball. If you eliminate the Virginia Oregon game, which barely broke a hundred points,
0: still a close game though.
1: Yeah, no, a lot of fun. Virginia finally gets over the hump. Like I said, I've been on them all year. I just they felt like a team of destiny. They were the first team to lose with sixteen, and all the mockery, all the jokes. I just. I felt like they would come out strong, but I want your thoughts on this. So I am the president of the up by three. You always, always foul club. Purdue did it and it ended up costing them in an unbelievable way. That's an unbelievable fluke, the way that Virginia tied that game. But what's your thoughts on that strategy on fouling when you're up by three, sending them to the line and
0: hoping to hit yeah. two? Or- it's definitely interesting. Uh, because for me, it all depends on how much time is left in the game, really. If there's a lot of time, obviously you want to be fouling in a situation there where they're not going to be in a position to, to shoot the ball. So you're not going to get penalized if they, they chuck a three and foul them. So definitely away from the basket or if they're driving towards the hoop. I, I'm going to foul pretty hard as well if they were going to go for, like, a two-for-one-er type situation, like, just a down-three scenario. Uh, but, yeah, def- definitely usually forward. Obviously, uh, what do you do? He made the first. They missed the second. Tip out. Uh, then crazy, amazing pass. That was amazing vision. You get it to Kiati uh, and they, that shot was awesome.
1: It was awesome because, you know, nine times out of ten, I feel like you see these kids, they just rush the shot, and they're just... They feel panicked and pressured, but the fact that he had the the awareness to look up, make that pass, and not force something from half court just an unbelievable play. Uh, good for Tony Bennett, who by all accounts seems like a good dude and has been a really good coach. And I, I mean, I'm surprised. I'm not surprised that they're in the final four. I'm surprised that they're the only ACC team in the final four, though. What
0: about you? It's definitely surprised. Only ACC team definitely also just surprised only one seed. Uh, for the most part, right. this tournament was super chalk. And obviously you get to chalk pretty much all the way to the final four, uh, you know, five seeds in there, uh, and then the three seeds in there. So pretty chalky, like like three ones and, and a five and a three. Like a, that's pretty good, really good teams in there. Um, and then that's usually – and then Auburn just beating UNC – uh, was a big upset. Uh, personally, if I had known that Cam Johnson had the flu as well as Nas Little, I think I would have thought a little bit differently about the game because um, I definitely hammered. It was probably my worst loss of the year was uh, losing on on <laughs> UNC in that game. But, uh, yeah, uh, it's definitely interesting. I mean, good for Virginia. I think no matter what going forward, I think the redemption year has been earned. They've done their part. It's so hard to win a national championship. It's so hard to get to the final four. They did it after losing to a sweet 16. Six, so uh, a 16 seed in the first round last year. So redemption year clinched. They, they, whatever happens now, they are no longer a failure. They did what they had to do this year to respond to last year's loss.
1: 100%. I agree. Especially considering that they're going to face a, a very good Texas Tech or a very good Michigan State team that if they got to the finals, there would be no shame. There's also no shame if they lose to Auburn. Auburn is having an unbelievable run. They've beaten – Bruce Pearl has now beaten Bill Self, Roy Williams, and John Calipari in three consecutive games. And they almost lost to New Mexico State. I had them losing to New Mexico State. They were the only five seed that survived the first round. So an unbelievable run by Auburn to get to their first Final Four. I got to say, though, I'm shocked. I, the way the t- I mean, it doesn't surprise me that they beat North Carolina as much as the way they beat North Carolina, just blitzing them from the beginning and just outrunning them. And just, I mean, they dominated from the really from the start.
0: They dominated. They got up. They looked like a much faster team, obviously, UNC. It, it showed that UNC had the flu that game. They, they looked like they had the flu. That was not the UNC team that we've seen dominate throughout the year, when their games in the tournament. But regardless, can't say much about UNC. Auburn going into the Final Four, I think, is the hottest team in, in the Final Four right now. They are they're special. Obviously, they lost to KJ, which, which hurts. that. But they were able to, to still find a way to beat Kentucky without them. And they're, this is a good team. They shoot from three. They're super fast. They're good defensively. Like, look out.
1: Yeah, they're definitely the hottest team. I think it's something like 11 or 12 in a row since a mid-February loss to Kentucky. So they ran through the SEC tournament. They've run through the brackets so far. And it's such an unbelievable contrast of styles. When you think of Virginia, you think of defense and kind of a slow, methodical offense. When you watch Auburn play, my God, these guys just fly up and down the court. I know they're a three-point shooting team. I think they only hit seven threes against Kentucky, but their guards, Brown and Harper, just, they can fly.
0: (laughs) They're so fast. It's Like, UNC is a fast team, and that's why I thought, like, UNC going into that game was just going to manhandle them because they play fast, they have more size than Auburn. So it just shocked me that Auburn just, with their speed, they looked like a so much faster team than UNC. They blitzed them, they blitzed Kentucky. Like, it it was impressive. It
1: was, and I want to talk about Kentucky for a second. Kentucky, to me, is a major disappointment. This is, and I know Auburn beat them, Auburn earned this win, but for the second year in a row, Kentucky bows out of the tournament earlier than they should have. Last year, they lost to the eighth seed, Kansas State, who played without Dean Wade. Had they won that game, they would have played Loyola Chicago, and as magical overruns day went on, you got to think Kentucky would have beaten them and gotten to the Final Four. This year, Kentucky's biggest threat was UNC, and Auburn did the dirty work. Auburn played. Without Chuma Okiki, who suffered that horrific injury against Carolina, Kentucky already beat Auburn twice, and they couldn't get the job done again. So, look, I don't think you should fire John Calipari. He's never getting fired. He just signed a lifelong contract today, which is insane. I'm not saying he should ever be fired on the hot seat, but when you're Kentucky, when you pay John Calipari $10 million and you're bringing in number one recruiting classes year in and year out, your expectation is Final Four, not, oh, well, we made the Elite Eight, so it was a good year. I mean, I saw people that were happy that they went that far. You can't be content with being an Elite Eight team. You got to get to the Final Four every year if you're Kentucky.
0: Yeah, it's so hard. They're they're so good. They're always a really young team just because, obviously, Kauvari is a big uh, person I've wanted and done recruiting. So it's just super hard. And then going back to our – I think our very first podcast, we we mentioned like teams we liked, teams we didn't like, and I and I mentioned like the team that disappointed me the most at the beginning of the year was Kentucky. I thought they were super talented, and they they sort of weren't playing like at the beginning of the year. Then they got super hot, and they made a run. And then I was always thought that this team was going to be really good, and they definitely showed glimpses of greatness. But then they kind of just blew it against uh, Auburn. They had a five point lead at halftime, and then they had a late lead late and then got forced to OT and then just sort of got just outplayed in OT.
1: Yeah. I just, I think it's a disappointment if you're Kentucky. I I think it's, you know, it's two years in a row that they lost to a team that was shorthanded, but again, good for Auburn. They absolutely deserved it. They earned it and good for Bruce Pearl. The redemption tour continues as Auburn I guess Auburn's no longer a football school. Who I wonder what I tweeted this yesterday. I wonder what the odds are that Auburn would make the final four in basketball before they did it in football.
0: <laughs> Pretty impressive. Yeah, it's it's really impressive.
1: And so I think Kentucky's a disappointment, but in that same breath, you have to consider Duke just a massive epic failure and disappointment, right?
0: Yeah, this is a <laughs> team I thought, I mean, obviously, I thought Michigan State matches up great with them. They're just, they're built similarly. These two teams are not great three point shooters. They have a great point guard, each RJ Barrett. I mean, I guess Trey Jones is the point guard, but like RJ Barrett, Cassius Winston, like Nate Smith, guys with Zion, like like Cassius Winston might be player of the year if it wasn't for like Zion Williamson. Like, that's how good Cassius was. Um, obviously, Michigan State has some good bigs to sort of, block out or at least attempt to slow down Zion a little bit. But it, it's interesting. Like, when you go into late-game situations outside of the UCF game where Zion had that, that take to the rim and he had the layup or whatever to, to tie it up. They, um, when Duke has had in their three losses this year in, like, their final possessions, R.J. Barrett has gone to the rim, like, each time and has missed a shot every single time. Like, they don't go – like, I just don't understand why they didn't go to Zion at the end of the game. R.J. Barrett gets the free throw line. They're not a good free throw shooting team, and he missed the free throw. and finally came back to bite them in the butt that they weren't a good free throw shooting team.
1: Someone made a good point that I read today in an article that Duke is the same team yesterday – or same team on Sunday that they were from day one. In that they never really developed, they never really progressed, and I think you can kind of see that throughout the year. Teams were able to adjust, teams were able to catch up to them. I'm surprised that it was Michigan State. I actually, I mean, I said last week I thought that LSU could beat them. I think I did p- pick LSU, and then Duke to go to the Final Four, but I-, I underestimated Michigan State for a lot of this season. You're right, Cassius Winston is unbelievable. They just, I mean, they're a very good team. And I think they kind of flew under the radar because you had all these one-and-dones all over the country, and Tom Ezzo doesn't do one-and-dones. They're never, you know, a flashy, exciting team. They just win.
0: They win, and this is like a super injured Michigan State team. Like, Josh Langford is their second-best player. He's been out most of the year now. Uh Nick Ward – usually a starter. I think he believed he came off the bench this game. He has a hand injury, so he's been sort of limited. And they just, they find a way to just win these games. This is a really well-coached Michigan State team, led by an amazing junior point guard in the Naismith discussion.
1: Yeah, and there's one thing I want to say about Michigan State. We actually didn't talk about this last week, because I didn't think it was worth the time, but Aaron Henry got chewed out by Tom Izzo in the first round, a very famous video, and they're People that were actually critical of Izzo. And, you know, clearly the guy knows what he's doing and clearly he knows how to get his players to respond. I thought it was insane that people were judging and people were criticizing Izzo because you know who he is and you know what he does. So if a parent is not comfortable with it, they won't send their kid there. If a player doesn't want to play for him, they won't commit there. I mean, these guys, I've seen a lot of quotes from former players that say they committed to Tom Izzo because he chews you out because he holds you accountable and it made them better players and better men because of it. So good for Izzo for doing it. I actually saw it on a couple of instances on Sunday where it looked like he was ready to chew somebody out and his players held him back. The guy's a legend. And, you know, it's just it's crazy to think that it's it's over for Duke and the next time we see Zion Williamson, I guess unless he plays in the summer league, it'll be October in an orange and blue Knicks uniform in the garden. So pretty exciting for me.
0: Keep dreaming. <laughs> Nothing good happens for the Knicks. He will not be on the next. We'll
1: see. May 14th is the night that will affect the next five to ten years of my life. Uh, including my wedding. May 14th will be the most important night of my life. Sorry if my wife is listening to this. I know she's not so it's okay that I can say that. But <laughs> May 14th, draft lottery. Go next, And then Michigan State will play Texas Tech. That's the team that you and I both picked. In the final four, I think we kind of – was a little bit of a bolder pick. Um, kind of outside the box, I think I saw something like 10% of people actually had Texas Tech. Obviously, a lot of people are on Gonzaga and Michigan, even Florida State had some fans. So, or, obviously, you're not surprised that Texas Tech won that game. But what did you see from them when they beat Gonzaga?
0: Their defense is unbelievable. Gonzaga's a really good team. They have a lot of different players and their defense just overwhelmed them. And obviously Texas Tech has a bunch of shooters around there, even though like, people don't classify them as a great three-point shooting team. But every time I watch them, they make huge threes and like, a good, decent amount of volume of threes every single game. This is a, so great defensively, great three-point shooting team, good transition team. They have a very good leading scorer in Culver. They have complementary pieces. This is a really, really good team.
1: It is a good team, and they're also well-coached. Chris Beard is the head coach in his now third year. He spent two years leading them to the Elite Eight. Um, they hired him in 2016 after Arkansas Little Rock got a tournament win. It's a crazy story how he got there. The only reason Chris Beard is the head coach of Texas Tech, the only reason Texas Tech is in the Final Four, is because Memphis thought it was a good idea to give Toby Smith $3 million. The whole circle goes Josh Pastner left Memphis for Georgia Tech, which, again, was a, has been a disaster. He'll get fired next year. UNLV tried to hire Chris Beard. They did for a week. Beard left for Texas Tech after Memphis poached Toby Smith. Smith was fired after two years. UNLV had to settle for Mexico State's coach. He was fired after three years. So everybody loses here except Texas Tech, who's now in the Final Four for the first time.
0: They're so good. And I know that they lost a lot of players. Like they lost a lot of seniors last year, but this is a team that also was able to get Tariq Owens from St. John's uh, as a senior transfer. He's been a vital person on this. Uh, Obviously Culver really stepping up this year being a a big time shooter. And then I think my favorite thing about this game was like right before the game, like I saw a tweet with a video of Moretti, like addressing the team. I'm like, like who he's playing for and stuff like that. And his family walked in. He had not seen for a year. And then he hit maybe the two biggest threes in the game, which was really cool. Yeah.
1: And like you said, Culver, uh, 19 points score a year. I mean, he's been amazing. He's definitely boosted his draft stock. I think he's a guaranteed top five pick. But yeah, I think they lost something like five of their seven starters and still managed to retool and get to the final four. And they did it by beating Gonzaga, a team that, I know they got there a couple of years ago. They lost in the championship game. But historically, Gonzaga just continues to struggle on the national stage. So I ask you this. Is Gonzaga a fraud? Have we overrated them this whole time?
0: I don't know if they're a fraud. I mean, They still made it to the Elite Eight. They, I personally thought they were going to lose to Florida State. They beat Florida State pretty easily. Um, I personally always thought then what they got past that – They were going to lose to the uh, winner of Texas Tech-Michigan, and that happened. I mean, this was a really good Gonzaga team. Talent-wise, from top to bottom, it might even be one of their best with Huchimara, Brandon Clark, Perkins, Norvell. Like, this is a really, really talented team. But at the end of the year, it's just... I know that they do schedule pretty good non-conference games, but like they did play duke and they beat duke this year which is awesome. They played Tennessee but they lost to them. They played Washington. They played Texas and they really need to beef like and they played UNC. I mean, so they did a really good job of of playing these top teams in their non-conference schedule. Um but the, I mean, outside of that Duke win, they lost to Tennessee and they lost to UNC. So they do lose to these better teams on occasion. It's just like it's hard when then you go and play 20 straight games of your conference where it's not the level of competition that you're going to be facing in the tournament. So it's just really, really hard to sort of reset after a tough non-conference, easy conference schedule, and then go in and have to to play these really good teams who have been playing in great conferences for the last two, three months.
1: Yeah, I mean, like I agree with everything you just said. Gonzaga, super talented team. And they had an unbelievable non-conference schedule. But the problem is they played their last good team in December. And they're just not battle-tested. It's not like Virginia, Carolina, and Duke who go through the gauntlet of the ACC or Michigan State who played a tough Big Ten schedule every single game. And I think that hurts them. Even when you look at the tournament, they played an okay Baylor team in the second round. Florida State's a very good team, but they were shorthanded. I know they had some guys, they had a tr- one player with a tragedy. They had some injuries. So they didn't play a full strength Florida State team. And then they just ran into a scorching hot Texas Tech team. So, yeah, I mean, they're not frauds. They're an outstanding They're a great team. It just sucks that, I mean, it would be great if they could play a non conference game in January or February. So they can get that test, but a shame for, for Gonzaga.
0: Right. And this is totally a tangent and really dumb, but like that I've always thought about this and I've, I've never really talked about it with anyone, but that like mid conf like that January schedule, I know like around winter break and stuff like that, when students go, I've always thought it would have been a neat idea because obviously the rankings are significantly different. By the time January, like winter break comes around right before Christmas and stuff like that, where teams start playing cupcake games around then, to have like a midseason kind of tournament where if you qualify, like maybe like the like you get invited, like like maybe hit, pick like eight teams that sort of surprise someone and get like and just have them go to a, some kind of tournament or something like that just to beef up that. Middle part of the season, a little bit before conference play. I don't, I, I don't know if it's feasible, but I thought that would have always been a cool idea.
1: I love that. I mean, logistically, it might be a challenge, but I love yeah. that. anything that anything that gets the Gonzagas, the Buffaloes, the Woffords of the world to play against good teams and give them good competition before they jump into a softer conference schedule. I'm always going to be in favor of it,
0: right? Because it's hard for these teams. Especially the good non major like uh, conferences, teams like Buffalo and stuff like that. It's hard for them to schedule awesome non conference schedules because, like, teams are going to be a little bit afraid to play them. Like, they know that if they go play and host Buffalo, Buffalo could come in and upset them. Like, that's so hard. So it's like, so it's kind of neat, like, if teams sort of earn their way into the rankings or are hot or whatever, you sort of invite, like, eight teams that might not always get a chance. So maybe, like, a Belmont or something like that as well this year could have come in and played, like, a team like Auburn or Texas Tech that were playing well then and just have, like, a fun little little tournament. I wouldn't know how you would schedule it, how feasible, but it's just an idea I've always thought about in my head, which would have been always fun. But that's, yeah, but that's a different that... conversation. <laughs> well, like you <he> said, <laughs> the
1: problem is the Kentuckys, the Tennessees, the Dukes, the Carolinas of the world don't want to play these teams because they don't want to suffer an unnecessary loss. So it's, a, it's a, it's, I mean, it's obviously a huge problem in college football. It's just something that's always going to plague college sports, unfortunately. But we have, I think these four, te- I mean, these four teams are all awesome. And it's a fun, it's kind of a different and a new Final Four, like we said. So we have Michigan State, Texas Tech on one side. Auburn versus Virginia. So with Michigan State, Texas Tech, here's a fun little factoid. Actually, Darren Revell even commented that it was a fun little factoid when I posted this on Instagram earlier. Michigan State, Texas Tech have never faced each other in basketball. They faced off one time in football. Tech actually beat Sparty in the 2010 Alamo Bowl. In that game, Kirk Cousins, your boy, Kirk Cousins, completed 13 of 27 passes, one touchdown, two interceptions, and now, of course, ironically, Cousins is a member of your Vikings and plays his home games in the stadium that Michigan State will play in on Saturday in the final four. So Darren Novell complimented that on Instagram.
0: <laughs> That's kind of funny.
1: And then Auburn and Virginia have actually played each other four times, each team winning twice. So a really fun, a really fun final four that lacks history and that lacks you know, the tradition, which I think is great. We have two, un, only, we have two Under Armour teams. Only one Under Armour team had ever made the final four before this year. 16 of the last 18 champions have been Nike. So, I still think it's so it's possible that it's a Nike champion. We could get our first Under Armour champion. So, I know that your finals are kind of a little funky now, since I know you had Duke, North Carolina for a long time. So, what is your revised bracket look like in the final four yeah
0: this is interesting money wise i want virginia to beat michigan state i win the most amount of money possible for that now brain thinking of what i have been seeing with these teams i think it's going to be auburn versus michigan state and i think auburn is going to win it all
1: wow we're talking about basketball not football right
0: we're talking basketball. I just predicted <laughs> Auburn basketball and Bruce Pearl to win a national championship. I, like I mentioned just earlier on this podcast, I think Auburn's going in as the hottest team. I think they play super fast. I think they're a really good match. I think, I think that's going to be the best final four game. I think Virginia and Auburn match up really, really well together. Uh, two teams, not with a whole lot of size, great three point shooting by both ends. Obviously Virginia, one of the better defensive teams, but Auburn's going to be a step faster than this Virginia team. And Auburn is going to play at a pace that's going to make Virginia a little uncomfortable. And Virginia hasn't really been dominant in this tournament. They've, they've, they've eked out wins. They were down in the first round again. Uh, then the second round, they played Oklahoma. Kind of a nondescript game kind of, that nobody yeah, remembers. Exactly. <laughs> and then they barely sneak by Oregon by four points. And then, again, they had to go to OT and come back from Purdue to win this game. So, again, they haven't really been blowing out anyone. And this Auburn team is really going to make them uncomfortable. And I think they're going to come in and win. And then, on the other end, I think Michigan State, I think, is just too tough. I think as good as defensively as Texas Tech is, Michigan State has proven how tough they are in this tournament. And it's going to come out and show that they're going to do it. And it's going to be a really close game, but Michigan's going to get there, and then Auburn, just with the three-point shooting, is just going to win this thing.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I love the contrast of styles, like I said before, with Virginia and Auburn. Just a team that plays slow and a team that can fly up and down the court. I'm going to stick with Virginia, of course. I've done it this long, so I'm obviously going to stick with them now. I do, you know, I wonder a few things with Auburn. I know Virginia's obviously never been there, but I don't know. For some reason, I wonder with Auburn, like first time there, the aura of the Final Four. I wonder if it all catches up to them. Virginia's been playing in these huge games for a long, for all year. And this is the moment that they've been ready for. Tony Bennett has been ready for this moment with his father being a legendary coach and I'm sticking with them. Yeah. They haven't been the most dominant team in the tournament. I think all you can make the case at all These other teams in the Final Four have dominated some of their wins, but that's just how Virginia plays. They play a sloppy kind of, you know, grinded-out style, and they're not going to dominate Auburn. It probably won't be pretty, but they somehow find ways to win, and I think they will find a way to win, and I'm going to go with Texas Tech. I'm going with the upset here over Michigan State. Um, I just I love the way that this team plays. I, I love the coach. And I think Michigan State's run ends. Yeah, I think Michigan, I think the highlight of Michigan State's run will have been that win against Duke. And I think it ends on Saturday.
0: I'm just super excited. It's just when you get a final four like this, where it's sort of unexpected, the games become unexpected and you don't really know what's going to happen because these teams are not familiar with each other at all. And And what's fun is, is that every single team here has a great coach. Like, you have Izzo, legendary Hall of Fame coach. You have Chris Beard, who's probably going to win coach of the year. Then you have Bruce Pearl, who's been such a good coach for a long time, and then was forced out of college basketball for a while for sanctions and whatnot, and then makes Auburn basketball a relevant thing, which is so fun. And he has such a good style of play. And then obviously you have Virginia and Tony Bennett, like And Tony Bennett's made a huge name for himself in the past five years or so here at Virginia. So it's just it's great for coaches, and and it's going to come down to who outcoaches who, and that's that's how it's going to be.
1: And that's why I like Tony Bennett, and that's why I like Virginia to win it all. I know Izzo is a legend in his own right, but I'm going to stick with Tony Bennett and Virginia. Um, But, yeah, I mean, it's great. I, we don't work for the TV network, so I don't care about ratings. Uh, I'm super excited that it's different kind of teams. Yeah, I mean, Duke, Carolina, uh, Kentucky, you know, those traditional blue bloods being in it would have been cool to see from a tradition, from a history standpoint. But this is also cool to see because now there's tradition and history at Texas Tech and Auburn, places that have never been on the radar for basketball before. So it's really exciting. And it's probably no coincidence that there's – one team from each of the four major conferences. Pac 12 is left out. The mid majors, as always, are left out. So well done by each of those conference teams.
0: Yeah, it, it's super exciting. I mean, you look at the, the top of it, and it's like Michigan State won the Big Ten. Virginia uh, was at the top of the ACC for most of the year, and obviously, you know, ranked one number one at the point. Auburn ended up winning the SEC, right? or tying with, with uh, Kentucky, and then Texas Tech won the Big 12 with uh, Kansas uh, not winning it. It's just these are two, four really good teams, and they get to face off each other uh, to make their own little history. It's fun.
1: Yeah, and I think the other element is, yeah, it's always hard to generate an atmosphere at a football stadium, but with two schools that have never been there, one school that hasn't been there in over 30 years – and then Michigan State in close proximity, you're going to get an awesome crowd on Saturday. And then whoever's left over on Monday, if it's Michigan State, I think they'll fill that whole place. If it's – you know, I think all the Virginia fans are going to want to be there. And we know that Auburn travels from football, and I'm sure Texas Tech will have their strong contingent. So it's awesome.
0: Yeah, it's it's super fun. And then what's even crazy is, like – you could have, like, the chaos game of Texas Tech versus Auburn, and that would be a really fun game to watch.
1: Texas Tech versus Auburn would be the Tommy Tuberville ball, which would just make me cringe to think about and to say, but that would be another fun football connection. Yeah, so it'll be an awesome Final Four. We also have baseball as well underway. If you haven't yet, check out Zach and I's podcast from last week where we give our baseball predictions In a small sample size, it looks like I was right on everything and Zach was wrong on most everything so far.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It could be. I I don't know. The Yankees are super injured right now, which is not great. The Phillies have looked amazing so far. Uh, The Phillies are awesome. That's the one
1: thing that you've nailed.
0: (laughs) And then the NL Central is an absolute mess. Or the AL Central is an absolute mess.
1: Well, the AL is a mess altogether because the AL has actually flipped upside down. The four teams that were in the playoffs last year, excluding the A's, so are all one and two right now. So, Right, and losing
0: the baseball. bad teams. The Yankees yeah, went so one rough, and two against the Orioles. I
1: know. So a rough first weekend in the AL, uh, but baseball is well underway. Hockey playoffs start soon. NBA playoffs start soon. The West is pretty much set except for positioning and he's still trying to figure out that eight seed. But lots of fun stuff. A really exciting time. And the NFL Draft is at the end of the month. I'm super excited for our Mock Draft podcast because I love Mock Drafts and I love the NFL Draft. So that will be fun. But check out mydraftsports.com. all the Final Four coverage, listen to our MLB podcast. And thanks again for tuning in. We appreciate you all listening.
0: Yeah, thank you for all our listeners.